you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, you know, I get letters frequently from people that said, Hey, I read that 48 Hours book. It always tickles me because... The 48 Hours is really why I chose 48 Days as a brand for our company. But just as one of those examples, I was looking for something that would be a more compelling title than find the job you love in 30 days, finding the work that you love. And it was back when 48 Hours was becoming popular as a TV show. And I thought, I'll bet I could get some brand recognition if I use the 48 because it's a unique number. It's not just a generic number. And that has a lot to do with how we how we select brands. But anyway, it's 48 days, not 48 hours. You can do a lot in 48 hours, but we really use 48 days as a reasonable time frame to make significant shifts in your life if you create a plan and act on it. Well, today's... Broadcast is brought to you by audiblepodcast.com. I'm going to be telling you a little bit more about them as we go along today. I've got some great book recommendations for you, as you know I'm going to. I don't know of a quicker way to change your level of success than by reading great books. So I've got a couple suggestions for you relative to pertinent questions that I've got. But again, that comes from audiblepodcast.com. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, If you're not yet a member of Audible, you can get a free book. One of the recommendations that I'll be giving you here. It's audiblepodcast.com forward slash 48 days. Well, here's a theme for today. This is why it's easier than you think. Okay, and I'm just going to let that hang out there for a little bit because I'm going to tell you why getting to success is really easier than you think. There's a very profound principle That's going to help a whole lot of us. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, few things do damage to a man's soul the way continuous unemployment does. Well, yes, we continue to hear from a whole lot of people who are unemployed. But we're going to give you some inspiration today. We're going to give you some tips to break that cycle if you're one of those who's been unemployed for a long time. I'm a healer, but I'm not making any money. I'm going to get a chance to tell you about our massage therapist lady who asked this question is a licensed massage therapist. Yeah, I've got some ideas for how you can make money with that. Dan, I'm 53 years old and looking at a new career. Here are six ways to save your life and your company. Somebody sent me an article. I want to share some points from that. Dan, how can I get paid for making the company more money? Reasonable question. A reasonable solution. And then somebody says, Dan, recently I earned my MBA in management and now I find that I'm overeducated. Well, interesting quandary today. A lot of people are overeducated, overdegreed, and we'll talk about what companies are really looking for. I've been doing a lot of interviews in the last couple of weeks on that particular topic. When I did a podcast a couple months ago on, yes, I do have an education, it prompted a whole lot of interview request, article writing opportunities. Yes, I do have an education. We're talking about the changing face of education. Now, here's a quotation. Remember I said, this is why it's easier than you think. 
The quotation comes from Mark Victor Hansen, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, wonderful, generous individual. He says, what you want wants you. Now that's it. That's our quotation. Only five words. What you want wants you. Now, if you believe that, that has an interesting kind of effect. If you really believe that what you want is not running away, trying to elude you, but what you want wants you, well, it creates an interesting mindset for believing that there's an attraction there rather than a repelling. You know, sometimes I talk to people who are chasing success and they, they really give the image that they are chasing it, that success is running away faster than they can catch up. There's no way to get to it. Well, Mark Victor Hansen says, what you want wants you. We're going to go with that as a theme for today as we look at some of the questions we've got. Now, we've got a success story that I want to share with you. Now, I got a nice, long, handwritten letter from Angela Lucanbill. I won't read all of it, but she says, first of all, I want to thank you for all the, the realism and support you provide to your listeners. I've been listening to your podcast for almost three years now. I hope you don't mind the handwritten letter. I feel the time and effort of handwriting is much more personal and meaningful when you want to thank someone. Well, I appreciate your letter, Angela. She says, when I started listening to you, I was a bit lost in life. I had started my first business and when I was 24 years old, my second at 26, it was a daycare that I opened with one child enrolled and grew it to 119 children enrolled within three years. I loved it. When the economy took a turn, people started losing their jobs. They took their children out of daycare. I hadn't planned or prepared for anything like that. I had to close it in 2010 after making the new business owner mistake of hanging on too long. Now, this is the deal. What happens when I'm, I'm doing an insert here in Angela's letter? What happens when an entrepreneur has a business that doesn't survive? Do they crawl back into you know, a job and say, well, I tried that. I'm never going to, never going to try that again. No, they pop up with another idea. That's exactly what Angela has done. Angela says, now I'm using my old interest and talents and crafts combined with my old new business knowledge. I own Z Angelique designs named after my daughter, Mackenzie Angelique. I make bouquet boutonnieres and corsages that are made of roses from goose feathers now, that's what she does. Now, she sent, Angela sent us a box with two beautiful, beautiful corsages that are attached to bracelets, real elegant bracelets that a woman can, you know, stretch and put on her, her wrist. And then she sent a little single boutonniere for my granddaughter, Clara, that you hear me talk about. Clara just turned seven, just lost her first front tooth. Well, she's her two bottom teeth are out, but she just lost her first top tooth uh, two days ago. We were there encouraging her to have it come out. And during the night, in fact, it did. Anyway, Angela sent a little boutonniere for her, but these are beautiful, beautiful flower arrangements made out of goose feathers. And just a great example of what it, of what entrepreneurs do. She says, I'm very excited about this, getting it launched. She's offering it to uh, packages to schools to buy and resell for fundraisers. Uh, believe it or not, I just got the idea for this in December, and I've come this far with it already. It feels good to be proud of myself and what I'm doing again. Thank you so much for the guidance to help me get back to what I love. Well, thank you, Angela, for your beautiful gift and for the work that you're doing, for getting back in the game again, rather than 
just considering it, well, you can't do that. No, that's not what entrepreneurs do. They learn from the mistakes. They learn from the things that did not work and go on to something that's more and more successful. You know, I was doing an interview yesterday and I, I mentioned that the statistics that we hear from the government drive me crazy when they talk about entrepreneurial businesses. Four out of five businesses don't survive five years. Oh, come on. Now, here's the deal. Here's what happens with entrepreneurs and their businesses. So let's say that Sam starts a little lawn mowing business. So he buys a lawnmower. He's mowing yards. Three years into it, he says, geez, there's a whole lot of competition in this arena. Anybody can be in the lawn mowing business. All you need to do is run by Home Depot, buy a lawnmower, put a sign on the side of your pickup truck, and you're in business. But he comes to see Dan Miller, and Dan says, you know what? You've got a lot of customers who have a lot of discretionary income they're candidates for gazebos for stamped concrete sidewalks for water features on their properties and sam says wow i'm going to start doing those things rather than just one more guy who's mowing yards do something more unique with higher profit margins so next week on the side of his truck we no longer see sam's lawn mowing at sam's you know water features well to the government that looks like oh there's another business gone Yep, didn't make it. Well, of course it didn't because entrepreneurs learn from what they're doing. They move into things that are more and more successful. So they go through businesses frequently. Doesn't mean one failed. It means they learned from that. Now they're doing something else. Anyway, that that's the process that we see again and again and again. But we know that overall it's moving you toward exactly what we're talking about here. All right, hey, do you got a you got a story about what you're doing? Shoot it over to us. Let us know. You can just go to the 48days.com link, click on the podcast link there and leave your story or just shoot it to me directly at askdan 48days.com. You can leave a voice message there using SpeakPipe. Any of those ways we'd be delighted to hear your story, but keep those stories coming in about what you're doing to put you in the category of being a champion. Well, here's a question comes from Scott who says, hi, Dan, I had a job interview about four months ago. I felt connected really well, but I did not get the job. I feel like maybe I was asking for too much money. I went to four interviews with the company. I'd like feedback and why I did not get the job for future reference. Would it be right of me to call the manager and ask for feedback? I now have what I consider to be a much better job. Yeah, absolutely. You can do that. Now, Scott, you'll have to realize that people hiring people are hesitant about what kind of feedback they give. And rightfully so. With litigation like it is out there, you know, if you, they, you call them and they say, well, gee, we thought you were a little overweight. I mean, obviously, they aren't going to do that. They can't do that. They have to be very careful about what they say. But certainly no harm in asking. I mean, you've earned the right in the fact that you had four interviews with them. Yeah, you've earned the right to know why they didn't choose you. And certainly they're, you know, they're going to feel obligated to give you some kind of a reasonable answer to that. It may just come down to, well, we had, you know, three top candidates. You were one of the top three, but we had somebody that we just thought was a better fit. It's likely to be that because it's hard to get real deep gut level, honest feedback on why they didn't hire you.
This one comes from Britain. Now, this is a long, long email. And I want to just give you a couple highlights of it here because there are a couple points that I want to make from this. He says, Dan, is there a website you recommend for someone who struggles with writing cover letters and thank you letters, a free resource or article that does a good job explaining how those should be composed? Yeah, and I'm going to give you that in a minute. But here he goes on. For the nth time since 2012, I'm on the job search trail. In reality, now this, this is somebody who has a CPA. He's, so he's an accountant. In reality, every job I left my job of over in reality ever since i left my job of over five years i've been job searching nothing i get sticks it's either a temp job that doesn't become a full-time position or a full-time position that ends before i'm ready to leave or i find out how bad things really are and try to find something else before i get trapped in a major nightmare the job market in idaho is terrible I have several family members who had to leave the state because they could not get a job no matter where they interviewed. Words cannot express how tired I am of this. Few things do damage to a man's soul the way continuous unemployment does. It's a feeling of complete worthlessness and despair. I've had my share of nights on my knees trying to pray when all I really can do is cry. Now he goes on and on here. Again, this is a lengthy, lengthy uh, unveiling, a sharing of how bad things are, and I certainly empathize with you in your description of what's going on. He continues, I have your 48 days books. I've attempted them, but have never been able to finish due to family needs. I want to finish them, but we cannot afford for me to be unemployed, so I focus on the job search instead. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Let me, let me reread that again. I have your 48 days books and have attempted them, but have never been able to finish due to family needs. I want to finish them, but we cannot afford for me to be unemployed. So I focus on the job search instead. Sorry for the long email. I wanted to vent out some of my frustrations. Guess I used you as a punching bag. Now here's the, here's my overview. We're talking about how bad things are in Idaho. Why, you know, every job turned out to be a mistake. The, the corporate culture is bad. You know, it, it turned out to be a major frustration instead of something fulfilling. And the theme is very, very consistent. Here's what I have to bring to our attention, not just for the writer here, but for lots of us in the same category, lots of you listening. And that's this. Our thinking precedes our reality. You've got to break this cycle of expecting negative outcomes. You've got to break that. Change in geography is not going to change your perception of the way things are. Reminds me of the, the, the fable, the two travelers and the farmer. Well, let me just read that. It, it relates so much to what we are, what we're talking about right here. And to so many of the questions that I'm getting. A traveler came upon an old farmer hoeing in his field beside the road. Eager to rest his feet, the wanderer hailed the countryman who seemed happy enough to straighten his back and talk for a minute. What sort of people live in the next town, asked the stranger. What were the people like where you've come from, replied the farmer, answering the question with another question. They were a bad lot, troublemakers all and lazy too, the most selfish people in the world and not a one of them to be trusted. I'm happy to be leaving the scoundrels. Is that so, replied the farmer. Well, I'm afraid you'll find the same sort in the next town. Disappointed, the traveler trudged on his way and the farmer returned to his work. 
Sometime later, another stranger coming from the same direction hailed the farmer and they stopped to talk. What sort of people live in the next town, he asked. What were the people like where you've come from, replied the farmer once again. They were the best people in the world, hardworking, honest, and friendly. I'm sorry to be leaving them. Well, fear not, said the farmer. You'll find the same sort in the next town. Now, that is so true. And I encounter that again and again and again, where somebody decides they have to leave the town they're in, leave the county they're in, leave the state they're in, only to find that things are just the same in the new state they went to. That's because our reality is so wrapped up between our own two ears It's not an external kind of thing. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I I talk to people now who can't believe the new opportunities that are all around them. And I talk to other people who live in the same place who are so frustrated because the economy is bad. Nobody's hiring. Things are going down the tube. It's just bad all over. Same town, same place, same circumstances, different perception. And that perception leads to what our reality is. We end up, for the most part, where we expect to end up. I don't mean to present this as just some kind of a simple mind game here, just some little tricky, positive mental thinking thing. But if you expect good things, they tend to show up. I mean, I have story after story. I mean, Brian Holmes right now is one of our coaching mastery people. And he he got so clear on what he wanted to do. And it was like magic, the doors that opened up. People that offered him venues to hold his workshops and seminars, people that offered to invest in things that he wanted to develop. I mean, it's just, it was amazing. As soon as he got so clear and believed that those opportunities, in fact, were available to him, boom, the doors of opportunity just started opening. One of my friends is Paul Cowell, who is a proprietor of Whitestone Inn, one of the top rated, one of the five top most romantic places in the United States. Beautiful, beautiful resort area. Paul was a pastor of a church and he had this dream. He and Jean, his wife, had this dream of having a place where pastors and missionaries could come at no charge to just be restored and refreshed. Well, how's that going to happen on a pastor's salary? I want to make a long story short. He bailed out one of the congregation members who was in trouble financially in a little business that he had. Paul bailed him out just as a friend, but ended up owning the business because of some things that happened. The friend went on his way. Paul ended up owning the little business. That little business ended up being one of the first home shopping network companies. And Paul sold his shares in the company a couple years later for a little more than $10 million. He and Gene built Whitestone Inn. They built that place where pastors and missionaries can come and be refreshed and restored at no charge. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Joanna and I have been there many, many times. Love our time. We we don't go we don't go free. We aren't claiming to be missionaries or pastors. We pay full rate, and it's not cheap. But it's a beautiful place. But story after story like that, I hear. Once you see the future that you want, believe me it starts to open up. And it's that Mark Victor Hansen quotation, what you want wants you. Well, that works in both ways. If you want something positive, it wants you. It starts to come in your direction. If you believe there's something negative out there that's going to be your destination, 
it starts coming toward you as well. So be very, very careful about that. Now, another thing in this letter that I just read that I really have to address because it's come up multiple times just in the last week. I have your 48 days books. Now here's somebody who's in a long period of unemployment, very frustrated, very discouraged. I have your 48 days books and have attempted them, but I've never been able to finish due to family needs. I want to finish them, but we cannot afford for me to be unemployed. So I focus on the job search instead. Um, explain to me how this works. I had lunch this last week with a gentleman who begged me to, Help him see what he's doing wrong. He's been unemployed for two years. I asked him if he had 48 days to the work you love. I would have been happy to give him a copy. He says, oh, no, I have it, but I haven't had time to read it yet. I thought, how, how can I get my head around this? You've been unemployed for two years. You've got right in front of you a resource that lays out exactly the process that has worked for hundreds of thousands of people where we get stories about multiple job offers and you haven't had time to read the book. Now, I'm not just making a big case for reading 48 Days to the Work You Love, but I'm saying how, how can you break the cycle of discouragement unless you learn how to do things better? How can you change the results you're getting if you continue to just do the same things that you've been doing. It reminds me of, you know, Abraham Lincoln once famously said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four hours sharpening the ax. Too many people that I'm hearing from rush right to the tree, you know, with an old dull knife they have in their pocket. Sharpen the ax. Part of sharpening the ax is to read, study, talk to other people, understand the principles for breaking this cycle of unemployment. Don't just go out here and beat your head against the wall, doing it in the same way again, but access the material to help you do things that other people are not doing so that you get results that other people are not getting. Now, in answer to your question again, for are there examples of resumes and cover letters? Sure. We, we've got lots of those. Just go to the 48days.com, go to help resources and click on worksheets. When you click on worksheets, you're going to see samples of resumes, cover letters, thank you notes, all those things that you're asking about. Happy to provide those. No charge. Just go there and do this. But please, please take an afternoon to go through at least the part of 48 days where it talks about the job search. So you break this cycle of unemployment. Well, that brings me to my book recommendation. A couple of them here that do not have to do with how to get a job, but it has to do with how to create the mental mindset to expect success. So if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, you can get a free audiobook download. You can get the 25th anniversary edition of Zig Ziglar's See You at the Top. Now, that's one of the old classics. It's only an hour and 42 minutes long. It's a condensation of that See You at the Top. Now, that's the book that we used with our kids when we were homeschooling them when they were little. When our kids were little and they needed, we, we didn't give timeouts. You know, we were, timeouts were really popular back then when our kids were little. You sit a kid in a chair and looking at the corner of the wall. Well, we didn't do that. We gave them attitude adjustments. And so if we had a child that needed an attitude adjustment, and believe me, it came up frequently, 
we would have them sit down and listen for perhaps 10 minutes to Zig Ziglar's See You at the Top to get an attitude adjustment. And as much as they resented the process then, it's funny now to hear my kids relaying the same principles to their children. Stinking thinking. You need to check up from the neck up. Getting cooked in the squat. All those principles they learned from listening to Zig Ziglar. But it's still classic, timeless advice for how to get your thinking straight, how to have a positive mental attitude, how to expect the best from others and yourself. See you at the top. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and get that. Now, another one that I certainly can recommend is Wisdom Meets Passion. That's the book that I did with my son, Jared. We both read that. I love the audio version of that. I love it for a couple of reasons. One, knowing that it was so arduous for Jared to do. Jared is not and doesn't read easily. He has to see a sentence kind of almost like seeing it as a picture and then he can close his eyes and then repeat it. But he doesn't just read in the way that I read as an example. So doing the book together was a interesting process. I'd read my part and Jared would labor through his part, but he so wanted to do it himself and was proud of the finished product. And we hear lots of compliments about that. So you can get that as well. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, put in wisdom meets passion. You can get that one as your free copy. If you're not yet a member, let me move on here. Kimberly says, uh, Thanks to Dave Ramsey, whom I listen to faithfully, he gave me awareness of you. I'm finishing your book, 48 Days, right now. I love it. Wish I had a good wisdom. Wish I had good wisdom like this years ago. My question is about your comment in your book of being a healer. I actually have a section where I talk about being a healer, peacemaker, and peacemakers and storytellers. I'm a licensed massage therapist and esthetician of 12 years. I also have been learning a lot on herbal medicine. I've worked anywhere from spas, resorts, chiropractic clinics. I've not made much money in all this time. I've taken some time off for pain and exhaustion from massaging in a clinic. I'm desperately searching for another option with my skills, making a profit. I love my vocation. I love to help people. If you have any suggestions, please reply. I need a creative search for a new beginning. Kimberly. Well, when you are in that arena of natural healing and wellness and nutrition, I mean, there are so many opportunities there. I have to believe you can find one that fits you and that gives you a profitable opportunity as well. Now, I get a lot of things at Whole Foods. Most of you are familiar with Whole Foods. You know, I go there. Any any kind of health question I've got, a lot of times I go there first before I seek out a traditional medical expert on a particular topic. And I get wonderful, wonderful advice from the young guys and gals who work at Whole Foods. And a lot of them have other things on the side that they're doing that are related to their interest in health and wellness. We have a couple friends who are very involved in doTERRA essential oils now it's kind of a hot new thing you know we've got them here and we use the oils for all kinds of things that they're they're pretty pricey but uh the gals who are involved in that and i could tell you some names that you would probably recognize but the girls who are involved in that are doing extremely well financially because of promoting what those essential oils do to the healing process so you can look at things like that uh kimberly and your opportunities now our joanna and i have a wonderful wonderful massage therapist who comes to our house every friday afternoon 
Joanne's at three. I'm at four. We have our own table here. So she comes in. Her name is Nanette. We absolutely adore Nanette. She is a healer. She's not just somebody who just rubs your muscles down. She is a healer. Just this last week, I had overdone during the day dramatically. I dug out a hole down to a water line where the the yard guys had nicked one of the faucets and it broke the line down in the bottom. Anyway, so I dug it out. I shouldn't have done it. It's really hard work. But my knee was so sore I could hardly walk on it. Well, when I came in for a massage, Nanette noticed instantly that I was favoring that leg. She asked me about it. I figured I'd be, I'd have a sore knee, you know, swollen knee for a couple of weeks. She worked on it. It was very painful. She said, you know, she said, I know you'll hate me now, but we can make up later. She's just cute as can be. And she just knows what she does. Well, by about 10 o'clock that night, I felt like I had a new leg replacement. I could not believe how much better it felt. And it's never hurt since. When you are that good, if you are that good, you can build your own clientele. Now, I almost hate to refer our massage therapist to other people because I don't want her to be so, you know, too busy. I want, I want her to be available for us when we need her. And certainly she is. We're on her schedule and we have a great relationship with her, but she stays very busy. I know that it's not uncommon for her to do. She told me just the other day that she had done doing me on Friday night. She had already done 17 massages now at 80 bucks a piece. I mean, that's what, $1,400 or something. I mean, she, she does okay in doing what she, and she loves doing what she's doing. So figure out what it is that you really love doing. Be very exceptional in doing that. And you can create your own opportunity to bypass all kinds of other people who also are licensed massage therapists, have the degrees. That's not what makes something, somebody ex- exceptional. I know people who are massage therapists who are complaining, wondering how they can get out of doing something that just requires their time. I asked Nanette, our massage therapist, the other day what she sees herself doing 10 years from now. And rather than her saying, oh, you know, I hope I figure out something where I can make money and not have to work so hard. She said, oh, my gosh, I hope I'm doing exactly what I'm doing today. She says, I love it so much. I can't imagine doing anything else. That's the kind of person I want in our house giving us massages. Well, Bill says... Dan, I'm 53 and looking at a new career. I started for an insurance company as an independent agent working with the Turning 65 Marketplace. There are a few young guns that are, as you say, knocking it out of the park. They work days, evenings, and weekends, and I've found that I do not want to work that hard. I have financial needs that I need to meet, but I believe that I should be able to meet them during a 40 to 50 hour work week. Is it okay to work at my pace and give to the job what I want to give instead of committing to 60 to 80 hours a week? Yes, Dan, it is. You can be in insurance and not be working 60, 80 hours a week and do really, really well. You just have to do things differently. I mean, I see people in real estate. Real estate is notorious where the agents think they have to be available 24-7. So they're working, you know, 80, 100 hours a week because clients call them at all kinds of odd hours on Saturdays and Sundays. That's nuts. You don't have to do that. There's a program out there called Buy Referral Only. That, that phrase has been trademarked by Joe Stump, and he teaches real estate agents how to work. for. He says after you sell three houses, you should never have to go cold calling for listings again because you get referrals from people that you've helped and treated extremely well. That's his program. So they're real estate agents that have paid Joe a lot of money 
for the information to learn how to do that, where they can then reduce the time they spend and increase the money they make. In cars, same thing. People think, oh man, you got to work 80 hours a week to make it in a car business. Nah, you know, Joe Girard is, he's still around. He's an old guy, but I love his story. He's listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's greatest salesman. Now, Joe sold cars at a Chevy dealership. Now, we're not talking about exotic cars or anything. A Chevy dealership in Detroit for a 15-year period in between 1963 and 1978. That's where the record was set that has never been broken again. He sold over 13,000 cars in that period of time. Now, what that does, that breaks down to the most new car sales that he had in one day was 18. Can you imagine that? He averaged six retail sales a day during that 15-year period. But now again, he, he was not you know, putting in 100 hours a week. He had a system where he would reward people who sent him referrals. So you bought a car, you'd get a, car, a stack of cards from him, and on the back it says, you know, if somebody brings this card in with your name on it, you get 25 bucks. So he just built his business based on referrals like that. You can do the same thing in insurance. You don't have to be available all the time. If you identify your ideal client, you ask for referrals, you can build a business very profitably based on your 40 to 50 hours a week. Absolutely. Now, here's, here's a related story. I want to read this and then I want to tie in some points from an article here. But here's a related story. Don, Don Menke sent this to me, and I appreciate the article, Don. He sent me a link to an article Six Ways to Save Your Life and Your Company. Now, this is the article. Six Ways to Save Your Life and Your Company. Now, this this is, has some themes in it that I've been encountering again and again and again. I wrote a couple pieces this week about how a nap is refreshing, energizing, adds to your creativity and productivity rather than reducing it because of the time taken. It just That's the way naps work. But here's what this article says. Your employer is putting you in harm's way. In fact, you can't smoke cigarettes fast enough to match the damage that today's workplace is doing to you. And not just you, but everyone from the newest hire to your CEO. Your company is unknowingly dragging the life from all of you. Now, the writer of the article here says, my co-creator for this article is Chloe Sosenko, a rising senior with a 3.5 GPA and a dual focus in psychology and entrepreneurship. She's a walk-on defensive starter and captain of the University of Michigan women's soccer team. Her head coach describes her as very intelligent, disciplined, committed to success. You want to hire somebody like Chloe. But a year from now, when she's ready to throw her enthusiastic efforts into business, unless you're committed to change, she's not going to accept her your offer. Neither will many of her teammates. Actually, most of her generation will be leaving your company in its present form over the next decade. Why? Because they know that if they work in your environment, within 10 years, they'll be overweight, pre-diabetic, worn down by repetitive tasks with burned out adrenals. They'll function at declining rates, finding it troublingly difficult to break the habits they formed in your office. That may seem exaggerated, but it's the state of work around the world. We can all do far better than this. And your motivation to try can be purely economic. A healthier workplace makes for higher sustained performance and lower medical costs. Here are six ways to save your life and your company. Now, this is a recurring theme. Just this last week, you know, Michael Hyatt talked about the idea of taking breaks. I mean, I've written about it a lot, the idea of taking breaks. But here are the six things 
Six ways to save your life in your company. Number one, sitting disease. The average adult spends nearly eight hours each day sitting. Yes, sitting may be deadlier than smoking. Your company can reverse this. Start by creating rewards for venturing into the green room with walking meetings and outdoor work and mobile devices. And it goes on from there. I won't go through all the details here, but that's one. You know, don't sit so much. Quiet time. Allowing people to have quiet time is something that adds dramatically to their creativity. Snacking to health. Having healthy snacks around your company. Core strength in a conference room. For the last 25 years, employees have gone to work and gotten sicker. In the next quarter century, they'll go to work to get healthy. So he talks about what the writer is, one of the co-founders of Motley Fool, and talks about the things that they're doing to make their employees healthier. Those are things that add right to the bottom line. Number five, every day is Saturday. That's exactly what CEO Ricardo Semler tells his 3,000 colleagues at Semco, among the most enlightened organizations in human history. Employees and their teams are liberated to define their work schedules. Parents have time for their families. Night owls can sleep late. Yogis hit the studio midday. Semco's rate of employee turnover is less than 1% per year. I just wrote this week about uh, the fact that 86% of people interviewed said they're looking for a different job this year. Doesn't mean they're not happy. Doesn't mean they're underpaid. They're looking for something else. And those elusive factors, the things like we're talking about here, the things that add to somebody feeling fulfilled and feeling like they're connected to meaningful work. Anyway, change or will you, you will lose. Now, the sixth idea that he leads here, and I'll put a link to this in the, in, in the broadcast notes today, but he's asking for the sixth thing. What is the sixth thing that you're looking for? What is it you're looking for that would make an ideal environment and keep you from leaving? But when we talk about companies expecting 60, 80 hours a week where you're sitting in a cubicle, they're destroying you. They're killing you. Literally, that's not the model of companies that are going to survive as we move forward into the next 10 years. It's got to change. Got to change. Well, Gary says, Dan, I finished reading the chapter, Show Me the Money from 48 Days. What do you do when a job application asks for previous salary and expected or desired salary? Or what should be said to HR when they're asking about expected salary at the first interview? I've run into both these scenarios. Well, if you've run into those scenarios where you're filling out a job application and it asks for previous salary, you're not using the system that I lay out in 48 Days to the Work You Love. Because when you take the initiative at contacting companies before they post a position, you can bypass that old antiquated system of just filling out an application. So the process that I use is a very active approach where you're in the game, you're approaching companies, taking the initiative, and in doing that, oftentimes you simply bypass that process. If, in fact, you are filling out an application and they ask, then you have to go ahead and put it there. It's not going to work to your favor to just leave it blank or be catty about it. And in the same way, when HR is interviewing you in the first interview and they say, well, how much money are you looking for? In 48 days, I lay out very clearly how to handle that. You don't just say, well, gee, none of your business. Now you can't do that. And you don't just say, well, I'm hoping to get $120,000, you know, can you, can you handle that? No, you say, if it's early in the interview, you know, I've always been compensated fairly. 
with the contributions that I've made. I'm sure that would be the case here as well. Tell me a little bit more about the position so I can see if it's a good fit for what I would be able to offer. And then I'll be able to answer in a better way, you know, what kind of compensation I would expect. So you do that and then you just get in the game because you're going to be in this situation before you know it. I love this old song. If I had a million dollars. You know, a lot of times people think, well, gee, that's easy to talk about. If I had a million dollars and they think, well, if I get a 3% raise every year, you know, that's not going to happen. No, that's true. You know, if I have time, I'm going to get to a question where somebody referenced an old blog that I wrote about working hourly will keep you poor. Well, I do believe that. I think there are ways to break out of that. We have a chance we'll get to that. If not, we'll come back to it another time for sure. Well, here's another question. Tiffany says, Dan, I hope all is well. I love 48 days and everything you stand for. I've been listening and subscribing to you for about a year and it's changed my life in ways unimaginable. For my day job, I work as a business manager for a local entrepreneur with a massive online platform. After listening to you, I know what I can do to help her build residual income. I get paid a flat rate weekly, and if I offered these ideas, they would create more work for me, and additional compensation is not guaranteed. Please lend me your advice on handling the situation. Thanks for all you do. Well, Tiffany, you simply have to take the initiative. You have to make a proposal for what this would look like. Don't expect them to automatically reward you, but be prepared to make a proposal. If I helped bring in additional revenue, if I initiated a marketing plan that would bring in revenue, would you be willing to add to my weekly salary 5% of the increased revenue? I mean, something along those lines. Just be creative. I don't know enough details about what you're doing here to really give a good answer for that. But certainly companies are open to that. I mean, everybody I know, I mean, if you work for Dave Ramsey, and you say, hey, I've got an initiative where I think we can make an extra $100,000. Will you reward me for that? Absolutely. You're going to get a reward for that. I mean, that's certainly true here. I mean, everybody that I've got on our team, my goodness, they're all compensated based on revenue. My daughter, Ashley, doesn't get a guaranteed salary from me. She knows that if she takes the initiative to make our events really great, if she takes initiative to help on new product promotions, that's going to go right to her bottom line very directly. That's just the way it's set up. Everybody here is compensated based on increasing revenue. And I think your company would be really open to that. I can't imagine a company that's not open to it. But you take the initiative and come up with two or three scenarios for exactly how that would work. Well, hey, just a reminder, if you got a question, you've been listening to all these questions here. I do go through listener questions once a week when I open that magic email file where all those questions are. I love this time of the week where I go through, consider it a high point of my week to go through, read the questions, select those that we have time to answer here on the online radio broadcast. So if you got a question, just go to 48days.com, click on the podcast link. You'll see an opportunity there to submit it in a couple different ways. Or if you're riding in your car, listen to this and need to just remember an email address, just shoot an email to askdan at 48days.com. Well, let me squeeze in at least one more here. Aaron says, Thanks for everything you do. You've helped me get reorganized in my life. Recently, I earned my MBA in management 
and now find myself between a rock and a hard place. I've been finding that I'm overeducated, not sure how that works, but lacking in work experience. When applying for positions, I offer that I receive the MBA to deepen my understanding of management and business practices to be more effective in the workplace. I see I'm qualified for many positions in higher education. However, I would rather work in my area of study. Do you have some thoughts on how to overcome the overeducated stigma? I appreciate your thoughts. Wow, that is such a common theme today, being overeducated. The, the idea, com- companies are saying, you know, we don't care that you've got a master's in English lit. What does that mean to us? Show us what you can do. Show us a project that you've worked on in the last six months. Let us see your online presence. What kind of social networks are you involved in? Those are the things that are going to have more tangible value for companies than just knowing that you have yet another degree. So, yeah, I'm here. And as I'm doing the revisions for 48 Days to the Work You Love, I've been hearing from a lot of HR directors who are saying they are so sick of interviewing overeducated individuals, individuals who have lots of degrees, but no real tangible work experience, no real marketable skills that they can identify. So make sure that you're getting those as well, that you're engaged in the game of life, not just regurgitating what's in a textbook somewhere. Well, hope not too, not too harsh on that. Hey, I want to throw in a couple other things here as we wrap up. Join Dan and Joanne Miller and a host of great speakers on the Celebrity Silhouette for the Ultimate Advantage Cruise, the purpose and power of vital relationships. The Celebrity Silhouette embarks from Fort Lauderdale on February 15, 2015 for seven days and six nights. We hope to see you there. For all the details, including bonuses, booking information, and how you can cruise for free, Go to 48days.com slash ultimate advantage cruise. What better way to kick off 2015 and give yourself the ultimate advantage? It's a beautiful day. You know, we're really anticipating having a great time on the cruise, obviously. Just got a note from somebody who went with us on our last cruise. This is from Mike Nelson. We said, this cruise changed the course of our lives. Since attending, we have doubled our income, pivoted to more meaningful work, and most importantly, found ways to spend more time together as a family. Hey, if you've got any interest in that at all, just check it out. It's one of these things we just kind of throw in as a, a bonus time together, but time to be on a cruise together is unlike any other experience you've ever had. Joanne and I go frequently. And once in a while, we just say, hey, let's get a gang together and go together. So we've already got more people, I think, registered than we've ever had on a cruise. But if you go to the ultimate advantage, just go to 48days.com. There's going to be lots of information there. You can click right through, see who's going to be there. We've got some exciting speakers lined up, people like Michael and Gail Hyatt, Rory and AJ Vaden. Just got a note from Rory this morning. They're spending the next month in Europe, but then I'll come back. We're looking forward to having them with us on a cruise, some other people that you'll enjoy getting to know and spend time with. Great way to, to hang out, learn, grow, experience more, get better results in your own life, as well as just having a great time. Well, this is why it's easier than you think. Remember, we started out with that as a theme. Our quotation for today is from Mark Victor Hansen, what you want wants you. Now, if you really believe that, you're going to be amazed at what's up ahead. Make sure that you want what you want, what you have in your mind is exactly where you want to go. 
that you don't have in mind a picture of where you don't want to go. If you have in mind a picture of where you don't want to go, guess what's going to show up? So make sure you keep in mind where you do want to go. and You're going to be amazed at the direction that that leads you. Well, as you know, our time has gone by quickly. Thanks for uh, contributing. Even if you're just a listener, I hear from people a lot of times where I've never had the pleasure of getting to meet them. And then they show up and say, man, I've been listening for six years. This is what's happened. Now I'm ready to share my story. So if you're one of those, we want to hear from you. But thanks for being part of this amazing community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, productive, and profitable. Get that in after the yell there. Have a great week.